Welcome to Rise and Rouse, a podcast for people who give a damn. We are so close to a thousand downloads. Make sure to tell your friends to listen so that we can hit that milestone. This is your host, Erin Allgood, social impact strategist, consultant, and incurable entrepreneur. This week on Rise and Browse, you'll hear my conversation with Heather Thorkelson, the founder and CEO of Polar Pioneer Management and Polar Tracks Expedition. She talks about the beauty and awe of being in the polar regions and how that awe translates to stewardship of the earth. We also talk about her journey through entrepreneurship from 2010 to today and what it means to be a rebellious soul constantly seeking new frontiers to explore. This is a beautiful conversation that spans geography, decades, and a range of emotions. Thank you so much for being with me here today, Heather. I'm so excited to have you on the Rise and Rouse podcast. We met actually through a group on Facebook, which is just like a super powerhouse group of amazing women, femmes, um, you know, folks who are doing just really cool stuff in the world and supportive of one another. And then we joined your incurable entrepreneurs group as well. So we've known each other, I think, for a few years probably now at this point. Yeah, I think so. At least two, if not three years. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like like we've known each other forever, though. That's true. Uh, <laughs> we're like kindred spirits in a lot of ways. So I would love for you, if you don't mind, just kind of sharing with folks like a little bit about your background, because you are probably one of the most badass people that I know. And, you know, <laughs> one of the people who I immediately knew I wanted to have on the podcast when I when I first started this. Oh, geez. Okay. On the spot. Let's see. <laughs> um, <laughs> so about me. Well, I have been self-employed since 2010. I left. I did exist in the corporate world for a period of time but then I went out on my own and I became a started by becoming a certified life coach which was really just kind of a stepping stone to do something more interesting because I thought you know life coaching good skill set to have in general if you're going to be dealing with people Um, but that sort of made its way slowly into business coaching because I built up an online business and I was living abroad at the time I was living in Peru and a lot of people who were location dependent were like how did you do that because it was 2011 and people still didn't understand how working on the internet worked Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I started teaching people about taking their skill set online and then that sort of morphed into more I don't know just different levels of business coaching over time then I opened up a polar travel agency in 2015 which is kind of random. (laughs) But the reason I did it is because I had gone and started, again, very randomly working on polar expedition ships in my quote unquote free time, because I fell in love with a guy who was working on polar expedition ships and wanted to be with him. And then being the business person that I am, I was like, we should have a business. You are a big Swedish dude with a big Swedish twin brother. And you, you're like a walking, talking, you know, marketing billboard for a polar expedition company. So let's do it. So I opened this this polar expedition company with them as sort of my front-facing marketing guys and started running that company. And that company grew and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so I was business consulting and I was trying to keep my other company alive. And in the meantime, during the pandemic, I wrote a book about running businesses. Mm-hmm. And then I also got approached during the pandemic about creating a third company, which was a polar ship management company. So I went ahead and did that, as you do. (laughs) And uh, now I am the CEO of that company. So I have kind of moved away from business consulting because I just don't have the hours in the day. Since the pandemic, my polar expedition company has gone totally bananas through the roof. Very busy. I've had to hire a bunch of people. And my polar ship management company 
has also just kind of taken off. And, you know, I recently, just before Christmas, stepped in as CEO. Um, so I'm basically the kind of person that wears a lot of weird hats. And in, a, in an industry, in the polar industry, which I really never imagined myself working in, but here we are and I love it. And I've got a book and I live in the middle of the Swedish countryside, which is kind of random because I'm Canadian, but I thought I'd throw that in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's it. I think that's the, the, the overview. <laughs> Yeah. And I know you talk so much more about kind of the the your travels to kind of the where you are today in the book, too. So it's I definitely want folks to we'll link that in the show notes because it was I don't know. I think that's when I realized we were kindred spirits for sure. I was like, oh, I it resonated so, so much with me, just like literally every single page. And I was like, this is fantastic. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for sharing your background on, on everything. So I'd love to hear, you know. I know you just got back from Antarctica. Like, I'd love to hear some of the cool just shit that you've been doing. Like, what have been some of the things besides just kind of starting businesses and being a like a badass CEO and all of that? Like, what else have you been up to? I do work a lot. I'm not going to deny that. I work a lot, but I do travel a lot for work. And I just even travel a lot for like work adjacent stuff, you know, like going to Antarctica this time wasn't for either of my companies. It was as a favor to another company because they needed a a position filled for a little while. And I thought, typical me, I'm like, sure, I'll go work for someone else to get away from my regular work. (laughs) So it's kind of like a work vacation, you know, a work vacation Mm -hmm. to go working. But, you know, I do get to do really, really cool stuff. Like I get to go to Antarctica and drive boats around and like see penguins and see whales. And I mean, three weeks ago, I had a minky whales blowhole right below my Zodiac and he like snotted all over me when he surfaced. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, you know, a couple of days later, there was this like rogue emperor penguin because emperor penguins don't hang out in the area where most tourism goes. They're, they're much deeper in the continent. But there was this juvenile emperor penguin that had gotten lost and he showed up and he was trying to jump onto the back deck of our ship. And so like there's, there's video cameras that are down there for you know, for the captain to make sure that everything's okay back there. And I got this like video clip of this emperor penguin, like, like launching himself out of the water. And they're huge, you know, they're like, four feet tall, launching himself out of the water and then midair going, Oh, no, like, that's not, (laughs) that's not an iceberg. And then like, (laughs) redirecting. So like, just, you know, I, I get to do fun stuff like that and have all these adventures and weird places. And then, you know, when I'm not doing stuff in the polar regions, I generally try to travel around to see other things because I'm kind of a lifelong traveler, right? Like Mm -hmm. I grew up the daughter of an airline pilot. So I was traveling a lot growing up. And then I started living abroad when I was 14 with my family. I'm 44 now. And I've spent most of those intervening years living outside of Canada. And so Sweden now is my seventh country abroad. And I've been here for a long time. It's been almost nine years, actually. So the longest stint I've stayed in one place. Um, And for me, this is a long answer, but for me living abroad, like living in Sweden, because it's not my country and it's not, I don't like by default understand the culture here, the way that you do when you're in your own country. Every day is kind of interesting, right? So every day is a bit of an adventure. Every time I go out and interact with Swedish people, I'm like, hmm, that's curious. <laughs> so that's, I, I, to me, that kind of makes everyday life quite interesting, actually. It's part of the reason why I want to travel somewhere too, is just to kind of put myself in a space where you get to learn, you get to be like the newbie, you know, in a space. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love that. I didn't know that emperor penguins were four feet tall. That was not a fact that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're huge. <laughs> that is kind of terrifying because I'm only five three. So I'm kind of like, oh, those. 
they could probably take me down, I guess. Yeah. Of them. Well, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the scientific height, but like, <laughs> like king penguins are roughly three feet tall and then emperor mm-hmm. penguins are taller than them. So they're, they're pretty darn huge. They're not small. They're like waist height. <laughs> it's just wild to me. That is like the coolest thing. I, I hope someday to come on one of the expeditions because I just would love to kind of, I, you know, I was a, a well, biochem undergrad major mm-hmm. and like I just, I love nature and things like that. So I just, I, I would just love to come and check that out. Like how many people in their lifetime get to go to Antarctica? Like that's not, yeah. and you've been so many times at this point too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I highly recommend it if you're interested. Mm-hmm. It's not as cold as everyone thinks. It's actually quite balmy. I don't think it got much below zero the whole time that we were down there this time. But then there's also the Arctic, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen pictures of me with polar bears nearby and stuff. And the Arctic is, I mean, both polar regions are just so magical, like really, really, really magical. You know, we have an ice wall up in the Arctic where these like all these waterfalls come pouring off the side of the ice wall. It literally looks like something out of Game of Thrones. And most people Mm. don't know that it exists, you know. And so it's just wonderful. And it's wonderful from a from a being close to nature perspective and being away from crowds. But it's also wonderful when you start learning about the, the ecosystem and, you know, the effects of climate change and stuff like that, because on all of these ships, we have lecturers we have expedition staff who whose background is in natural sciences right so they talk to you about the glaciers they talk to you about the polar bears and their life cycle and what's happening to them they talk to you about what's happening with penguins i mean you learn a lot it's not just sort of tourism it's like really understanding our earth's most most remote regions why what's happening there why you should care and how it affects the rest of us because it absolutely affects the rest of us well before we take a detour into some other things like why should people care why, why should people care about what's happening in those regions? Well, I mean, in a nutshell, it's because the the things that happen in the polar regions have such a catastrophic effect for the rest of the world. You know, as we see things warming up, as we see the Arctic sea ice melting and all that thing, there's functions that those serve, right? There's functions that ice caps serve. And when they start to disappear and at, a, at an alarming rate, as they are right now, those functions fall apart and everything starts to kind of go to hell. So when you look at things like extreme weather systems that we're seeing now, right, more extreme storms, more extreme heat waves, more extreme like cold winters and things like that, you can tie that directly back to what's happening in the polar regions. And so for me, you know, sometimes people say like, oh, I don't really want to go because it's like, you know, you're all burning all this carbon and flying up there and we're just, then we're interfering with nature, blah, blah, blah. But my perspective is that until you see it firsthand, you're not really going to care about it. You can see a polar bear in a zoo, nice, cute, whatever. You see a polar bear in its natural environment, it'll blow your freaking mind. And then you're like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, I actually really care about making sure that whatever I can do in this lifetime to help this bear not lose its habitat or our world not go to hell in a handbasket i'm gonna do it you know you just care more you i feel like you become more of an ambassador when you've been and seen something that matters it it starts mattering to you you know and so that's why we should care about the polar regions and that's also why i think we should go and visit those places so that it you know hits at home because otherwise we're just sitting at home hearing bad news on the tv and going like oh i guess i should recycle more and not drive a car but like (laughs) you know I think life-changing experiences are life-changing for a reason, and we should throw ourselves into those so that we can do better and be better, right? Yeah. I think that that I just love everything that you just said, and it makes me think about just how interconnected everything is, you know, and just we forget that too. And we forget how we're interconnected to everything as well. And so being able to kind of get ourselves out of those, out of our own kind of headspace and kind of start to be able to see, you know, just the 
bigger world, I think makes a huge difference is like exactly what you were just saying. One other thing that you had just said that I was, oh, that's what it was. Um, It's interesting, I think, too, because I was talking to somebody yesterday whose, you know, mission now is to solve climate change, you know, and, you know, or is like centering their work around that. It sounds very lofty. That was, this person was not trying to make it sound like that they were a hero or anything like that. But it was, it was so, you know, interesting to me because, you know, her approach to this was like, really, how do we help organizations become, you know, kind of more conscious around like climate change and like, and to prepare them, you know, for inevitably how things are going to change, you know, as, as climate change takes more and more effect or the climate crisis, I should say, because words do matter. Um, And so I thought that was so interesting because I was like, yeah, that's such a great idea. Like organizations can definitely play a role. They definitely need to be prepared. And also like we need to look at the bigger picture of things, which is just that like, you know, recycling more is fantastic. All of those kinds of things. We're not the ones who are contributing to the, (laughs) to all of the burning of the fossil fuels, like, you know, excessive and things like that. So it's, I would, I think the statistic is something around like, 70% 70% of the world's pollution comes from 100 companies, you know, yeah, so starting exactly. to look at like, we can individually take care of these kinds of things, but we can't, you know, and I don't want to over overlook the like individual importance of taking action. But I also think there's a lot of a lot of other shitty systems we have to keep hold accountable to. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. And I know we both like share perspectives on those kinds of things and like taking that bigger systems level view of of change, you know. Definitely. And, you know, when I talk about creating ambassadors, I mean, in the sense of when you start to understand, like, what really impacts the earth, when what, like, you see, you see the impacts by going to these places and seeing and learning about it. And then you can go home and you can make different decisions about how you vote, about who you give your dollars to, that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's small peanuts, but it can add up over time. And we all, we are also seeing more and more movements of people that are collectively trying to hold you know, those hundred companies, organizations accountable. And, you know, I would love to see more and more people as a part of those movements that are holding those bad guys to account because it's us, it's on us, right? In that respect, Mm -hmm. it's on us. If we just let the like hardcore, like climate activists do it, it's never going to really become a thing. I don't think. I think we need more people who are sort of the average person to really, really care and go, you know what, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Like the I'm completely forgetting the name, but when everyone wore pink hats and went down to Washington. (laughs) The the pussy hats, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Whatever that was called, whatever that thing, like like women all over the place mobilized. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just like the hardcore feminists or whatever. It was like women from all over were like, fuck this and like put on their hats and went down. You know, am I I allowed to swear? Is that okay? (laughs) Oh, of course. Yeah. It says fuck in the description. Like, awesome. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So like that kind of thing, you know, it's like, when you get a groundswell of everybody caring, because this impacts all of us. That's what I want to see. That's what I would love to be a part of fostering through the work that we do by taking, you know, quote unquote, tourists on a tourism thing, right? It's, yeah. it's more than that. There's more there. Yeah. It's not just about like indulging people's like fun fantasies. It it yeah. actually is like a call to action in, in yeah. and of itself. So. Mm-hmm. What are some of the cool things that like, or what are some of the things that feel really alive for you right now? Because I know you're in a flurry of work and everything, but what, what are some of the questions that are kind of like, you know, in the back of your mind that you're like, yeah, I want to explore some of that. Oh, you know, it's, it's really, it's really navel gazy right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's less big picture stuff, to be honest, because I'm going through a big change in life. Like I've left my marriage and I'm going through this big change where I'm, I've got to start afresh. And I'm really paying attention to 
things, especially because of the amount that I work and, and all that, I'm paying atten- uh, really a lot of attention to things like one's nervous system, like the health of one's nervous system. I'm paying a lot of, ten- of attention to creativity and where and when creativity comes in naturally during the day um, and when it doesn't. And, and I'm trying to sort of open up those channels to like pay more attention to the little things because it's very easy to stay busy all the time, especially when you feel like you have to be. I think a lot of people will resonate with that. And um, yeah, I've just been kind of burning the candle at both ends for a really long time. And now with all these big life shifts in front of me and like, I'm going to sell the house and move across the country and whatever, I'm kind of like, whoa, like the stuff that's making me really excited is starting to really understand my default systems more and spending more time in my body instead of in my brain. And then tapping into all the creativity that I've kind of shoved aside for a long time because I've been quote unquote too busy, you know, Mm -hmm. and even coming back now from Antarctica, I found myself just like writing a lot of poems and not even Mm -hmm. like sitting down with a journal and being like, I'm going to write a poem. But I mean, like being on a dog walk and suddenly just being like inspired with words and then grabbing a um, like the dictation app on my phone and dictating it into my phone. I'm like, I feel like my head has been cracked open and all this poetry is pouring out, which is really cool. And I think it's because I stepped away from my regular work and my regular life. And I was in this environment where I felt really inspired and I was surrounded by creative, inspiring people who made me feel safe and supported. And then I was just like, like (laughs) creative, you know, and that was good. Then I, I came home and I was like, okay, how do I, how do I keep that? How do I retain that? How do I make sure that that's still a part of my everyday life? And what I'm realizing is that it, big part of it and I am I will very easily admit that I am a big huge introvert so my natural tendency is to withdraw and I'm realizing that that does me a disservice especially when I work from home I live alone being an introvert is not helping me being around people and being around the right kind of people has become now in my mid-40s really interesting to me as a way to live life more fully and and get into my own self and my own creativity more fully as well. Because I did start to realize now that other people bring out some of the best in me. And when I'm just stuck by myself, that stuff isn't coming out. And that's doing me a disservice. I'm not getting any of these days, weeks or months back, am I? I remember going you know, through my divorce. And I think I've shared this with you too. Like it's when I started painting and just mm-hmm. being, you know, I, I, there's a quote that you just reminded me of from, um, when I was at a retreat, somebody had shared this, um, had said this around that, how can we live with our heart broken open? Because it's this idea of like, that rawness is important and fuel in and of itself. And, and how do we make sure we don't close ourselves off to that? Yeah. Oh, every time I reread that quote, because I've, I of course have it like, you know, in various journals and other places to, so I can access it. But it was also at the same time when I was going through my divorce too, or like the very beginning stages of kind of like realizing my marriage was a disaster. And, and that had been my kind of, you know, way of wanting to, you know, continue to kind of like remind myself that that was important to continue to live with that with my heart open and broken open, not just kind of like open, open, you know, which I think gets like co-opted by like people who are spiritually bypassing, but like, how do we, (laughs) how do we live with it? Like broken open so that it is like in all of its kind of like imperfection and like some raggedness to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to just like respect the journey you're going through because it's just, it's hard. It's like the hardest stuff. It's also the best stuff. And it like, 
And what it sounds like you're talking about, too, is it's liberating in and of itself, too. Yeah, definitely. In so many ways, you know, in so many ways. And I am very cognizant of not wanting to fall back into old patterns, you know, and not like I've been given this whole new world in front of me, right? Like I can do whatever I want. I can be whoever I want. I can do whatever I want. I fortunately bring a lot to the table because I have had a really interesting long life, you know? So like there's lots of stuff that I've done. There's lots of countries I've lived in. There's languages I speak. I have a lot of options and I want to make sure that I really like for lack of sounding or or not, not wanting to sound cheesy. I'm going to say like, I really do want to suck the marrow out of life. You know, I really, really do. And because I've put myself and my needs and my creativity and everything on the sideline for quite a few years now, I just want to throw myself wholeheartedly into that stuff. Even the stuff Mm -hmm. that scares me a little bit, you know, or scares me a lot. Fuck it. Like, yeah. I hope it scares me. If it's not scaring me, what am I doing? You know? So like, you know, I was joking with my friends on the ship that I was going to like, when I move to the other side of Sweden, I'm going to find a church to rent out and like make a, (laughs) make like a roller skating, like disco inside a church. (laughs) Yes. Like, I don't know if I'll do it, but it sounds fucking fun. And it sounds like something that I would really love to do and that it would bring me huge amounts of joy. And so I'm just like, okay, bring it, whatever. And I don't, I do not want to not do those things. I want to like mm. go headlong into the most ridiculous, most fun, most adventurous things I can think of because why not? Right. I got, I, I want the rest of my life, however long I have to be an even better adventure than it's already been. Yeah. Making the choice to like center adventure in your world is huge. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's terrible. It's scary. It's like really, really scary. <laughs> yeah. And center adventure, center joy center laughter center like things that maybe adults aren't supposed to like focus on so much you know we're supposed to be serious and like do business and whatever like okay I have two companies well technically three companies but (laughs) I I noticed I noticed the other day I went to a meeting with a bunch of old dudes and I was wearing like you know stretchy pants and a big hoodie and a funny hat and these like boots with fur on them like I just looked like some weird teenager that was going out for in the snow but like didn't dress appropriate like I look weird mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and but I just was wearing whatever was comfortable because I was you know in the environment that I was in I was on the ship that I manage which is in port right now and I looked at myself in the mirror on the way out to this meeting which was in another room on the same ship and at first I was like oh oh and then I'm like, no, 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 you're fine. This is how you look all the time. They're used to you, you know? And then I thought, this is a complete tangent, but I thought <laughs> when I was younger, and by, by younger, I mean anytime up until the moment I had this epiphany, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always thought that people who are CEOs are supposed to look a certain way or like, I never aspired to any kind of upper management because, well, first of all, I didn't want the responsibility because I'm, I think of myself as a giant child inside my head, but also I didn't like the way that you were supposed to talk, be, look, all that kind of stuff, right? And so I saw myself in the mirror and I thought, oh my God, you've become the thing that you thought wasn't allowed or wasn't possible. Mm -hmm. You've become a CEO, someone who actually has significant influence, not only on my own business, but on other businesses. And look at me. And this is, I'm doing it. I am the thing that you're not supposed to be allowed to be, you know? I'm Mm -hmm. showing up to meetings looking like this making jokes. I bring my dog, you know, my Mm -hmm. dog distracts everyone, whatever. And it's like, nobody cares. It's fine. This is normal. And so 
amazing. I wish that I had been able to go back to like younger Heather, who was like 15 or 20 and kind of like trying to imagine what my life would be and be like, don't worry, dude, in your mid 40s, you're going to be like showing up to see <laughs> as a CEO in your hoodie with your dog or whatever. And it's like, and you'll be just as well respected and, and taken as seriously and all that kind of stuff as you would in any other environment as a, like the, the stereotype of CEO that you would imagine, you know? Mm, yeah. I mean, you know that I teach at UNH at, in the business school, like mm. thankfully taking a break this semester. Um, but, you know, I tell my students all the time, I'm like when they ask for dress, like what their dress code is to show up to a, a presentation. And I'm like, you know, dress for success and whatever that means to you. And mm -hmm. all of the business students in the class giggle nervously because they are terrified. Like nobody's ever said that to them before. And mm -hmm. I try to tell them, I'm like, you need to like dress in a way that makes you feel comfortable and expresses who you are. Yeah. And I mean, we could talk about that in like the business world, how we've shut down like so much of that, that like unique individuality, like expression of oneself gets shut down mm -hmm. um, in service to this kind of like corporate mentality or this idea of like, we can't be taken seriously unless, you know, unless we conform to this like bullshit, like stereotype. Yeah, totally. And even things like, I mean, I think now it's changing a little bit in, in some industries, maybe not others, but like, you know, it used to be like so bad if you had any like visible tattoos like oh you know like no visible tattoos and like you're not supposed to do this and don't wear like short skirts or don't you know whatever like mm -hmm. just all this kind of stupid shit you know like things even like piercings and whatever and uh, you know again not every industry is changing there's definitely some very old school kind of crusty ones that still don't like that kind of thing but by and large i think society has moved to a more liberal space of like you know you can have visible tattoos and still be the best of the best in your industry and taken seriously, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So that gives me a lot of hope. And, and, you know, I also realize that I live in a very, very liberal country and a very female friendly country, you know, uh, in Sweden, like it's very feminist here. So no one would dare, no one would dare tell me that I was dressed inappropriately. <laughs> that would yeah. be a big cultural no, no. But I, again, like, I think I, I live in a country and I'm surrounded by people, even if they're old white guys who, who don't actually think that way. They're not actually like, oh, you showed up dressed inappropriately for a board meeting because right. how I'm dressed shouldn't matter. And it doesn't matter. It's what I bring to the table. I will yeah. say I am. I have established myself in this company. Right. So like mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have shown up the first time looking like that and whatever. But the fact that I can now because we have a, a level of familiarity and whatever, it just makes me so freaking happy that I live in a world that in many ways I don't have to conform to anyone else's system. I can just show up with my brain, with my input, with my network and my knowledge and add value and all this other shit doesn't matter. It just makes me like so freaking happy, you know, because I just never imagined that this was possible. I mean, hey, when I was in university, the internet barely existed. So I didn't know working on the internet was possible, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And you've had clients from all over the place too. Like you have oh, yeah. everywhere, like working on the internet is Oh yeah, that was I, 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 like literally everywhere. I've worked, I've like helped clients from Peru, from Sweden, from in a car in Iceland, from on the ship in Antarctica. Like I've been doing my work and like helping my clients with business consulting from literally everywhere. And my clients, I've never had a client in the same country as me, not since the very beginning. They're always mm -hmm. somewhere else. I've I had tons of clients in Hong Kong for a long time. I don't know why. Like it's just <laughs> wild, you know, meeting people all over the world. It's really amazing. I mean, even just me knowing you and kind of like in our incurables group, like that I was like, oh, I have a friend now in, from Iceland. Now I have a friend from, you know, where like 
from Canada. Like it's just, it was, I feel like that opened up my, you know, my world even, you know, in, in, in a very, you know, significant way, even though probably you didn't even realize that that was like, like a benefit of like what was happening there. Um, Yeah. That didn't occur to me actually, because I'm maybe because I'm used to it. Like I'm used to having people in lots of different countries in my sphere or in my groups or whatever, but that's very cool to hear that for you, you were like, Oh wow. Like, Holy international crowd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like, and I've had some like amazing just business conversations with, you know, some of the folks in our group where it has, it has changed, you know, my, like the course of my business in significant mm-hmm. ways. And I know I've been able to help others, you know, in there too, by sharing some of my, you know, knowledge and, um, and my expertise. But like, I mean, you've also like, you yourself just have helped me so much grow in my business. And like for me, starting with the book, you know, and reading the book and then getting to know you and and then becoming friends, you know, and like it's just been one of those things where it's like grown and deepened and and I'm just, you know, and I'm just so excited about it. So I want to talk a little bit about the book. Like, so it's called No Plan B, A Handbook for Incurable Entrepreneurs and Other Rebellious Souls. And like I said before, like when I read this, it was like, it like resonated so strongly in my soul, like more so probably than any other book I've ever read. I was just like, yeah, like I'm serious. I'm really, really serious. Like I probably low key was trying to like play it cool when I met you, but I was just like, it like reflected so much of how I understood the business world but said it probably way more articulately than I could have ever imagined. And so it has been a really important, you know, part of my business life, I think. So I would love to hear just how you like started writing a book. You know, how did you, what was the motivation? Like what was the impetus for all of that? And like, how is that book, how was that foundational to some of the other work that you do? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you so much for those kind <laughs> words. Amazing. Like I, I, I knew that you liked the book, but I didn't know that you felt it was that impactful. And that just is that means so much to me because, you know, anytime we put something creative out into the world, especially something that takes a long time and is a labor of love, you you hope that it will at least impact one person. Right. And so, yeah, that just that means the world to me. So thank you very much. The way that I came about writing that book is that I had been in the online business sphere and coaching and consulting for eight years at that point when I started writing it. About six years when I started to get the the ideas, five, five, six years when I started to really get the ideas. And my problem is that I kept seeing other people put out these business books that were not speaking to me at all, or they were too flippant, or they were too catchphrasy, or like too girl bossy, or whatever. You know, I didn't see anyone. I, the, the guys were all writing like dude bro books, and the women were writing mm-hmm. like girl boss books. And I was just like, mm-hmm. where's just the straight, narrow, like, straight up no bullshit. Let's not, you know, candy coat everything. That's the other thing, right? Everyone's like, oh my God, you can build a business and it's going to be amazing. And you can turn the internet into a cash machine. So the first third of my book is basically trying to scare the shit out of anyone who wants to work for themselves (laughs) so that they don't, you know, I'm like, this is the, this is the downsides. I'm going to ruin you first. And then if you're still here a third of the way in, then we're going to talk about what this is actually going to take. You know, I'm not going to candy coat everything. And I think that the people who read it, who read that first section and then they're still with me, they're my people, you know, Mm -hmm. they're like, cool. She's not feeding us a line of bullshit. This is the real deal. And I'm interested in hearing more, you know, and I don't offer solutions. I don't offer like five steps to anything. I'm just like, here are all of the things that you need to consider if you want to not work in a structured environment for a paycheck with a manager. These are the things you need to know. These are the things you need to know about yourself. These are the skill sets you need to work on. 
like it's really like kind of like having a conversation with your sister or brother and being like come on like come around my campfire and let's Mm -hmm. fucking talk about the real deal here you know that was my point and I really wrote it because it didn't exist at least I hadn't found it yet and I really wanted it to exist and I felt that there was just a gap in the market and I thought well you know it's in my head I'm constantly ranting and raving to my friends about these topics and about the lack of the lack of real talk about these mm-hmm. topics and then if, like eventually I was just like I just got to put it into a book <laughs> yeah. you know so I did <laughs> yeah yeah it feels like I mean really and truly does feel like that handbook and I appreciated that like the scare tactics too because mm. I mean I've already been an entrepreneur for 10 ish years I should probably go back and look at when I really started my business but like you know I kind of I knew a lot of the ropes but it was like oh it's so nice to hear somebody else talk about all of these things it also it, it helped to reinforce to me that like some of the challenges and the hard things that I was going through were actually you know other people that that you knew that that was real too yeah for sure because that's the other thing right like we tend to work in silos and maybe we have a couple of business friends and whatever but we don't always talk about the stuff that I talk about in the book like we don't talk mm-hmm. about the the mental struggles, the psychological struggles that you have, the struggles with yourself, all that kind of thing. And so, you know, for me, I read books and I read poetry and I consume creative media of all kinds, largely so that I feel less alone, to be honest, Mm. if I really get down to the core of it. I want to feel less alone in the world and other people's art helps me feel seen and heard and everything, right? Like this is not just my experience. It's it's a communal experience or it's a collective experience for people who are like me. And so that I think is also really valuable, right? Like that people might read it and go, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who's having that thought process or I'm not the only one who struggles with whatever, you know, that's really valuable. That's really valuable because otherwise this can be very entrepreneurship, self-employment. It can be very isolating. It really can. And I think, you know, I remember talking to a friend of mine a couple of years ago when she was had started her business and was kind of, I think, like just feeling some of that, like the initial kind of fear that comes when you're starting and doing something totally different. And I said to her, I was like, well, you can just call me whenever you need. If you need somebody to talk to about this stuff, like you can call me. Or if you don't want to talk to me, there's plenty of other resources I can share with you. Like you do not have to do this alone. And it, like I could see it dawn on her face that she was like, oh, I don't have to do this alone. Like it mm-hmm. just had never even occurred to her that that as she started to hit some of the road bumps like in in her business that she could reach out to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that's like I mean, we could talk about like how capitalism, like patriarchy bullshit, like all <laughs> makes it so mm-hmm. that we feel mm-hmm. we have to like isolate ourselves and we have to like be we have to do it all by ourselves. Like yeah. we, we, have we to be can't ask for help. Yeah. Yep. The pull yourself up by your bootstraps thing and and how that has like damaged, I think, so many, especially like women's businesses. You know, mm-hmm. I a lot of the people I talk to who are who are experiencing that fear and that kind of isolation, I think, are a lot of women who are in business. Certainly not just women, but it's it's just it's a unique situation when we're already kind of like so much else is stacked against us as we're starting to step into the entrepreneurial role. Yeah. So how like how would you say just the business coaching kind of intersects with the the polar expedition management, like all of that stuff. Like, I mean, mm. I, and I don't think that they have to intersect per se, but like, I, I imagine that there is some, each of those different roles kind of influences the others or reinforces yeah. the others. Yeah. So I'm sure they do in more ways than I even realized, to be honest, but you know, every successive business that I start is informed by 
my initial business, my business consulting, and all of the people, all of the different business owners and entrepreneurs that I've helped over the years, as much as I've been helping them, I've also learned from them, right? And so I have a certain very general approach to business that's based on my values. And that all of what I developed over those years as just doing straight business consulting spills over into then how I run my businesses. And consequently, the how I run my businesses spills over into business consulting. Because if I'm running two businesses, two very, very different business models, and it's all done remotely, mind you, there's no head office, like my kitchen is head office. (laughs) So there's no head office, all of our everyone who works for us are remote, they're living in different parts of the world. That spills back over into what I do in my consulting. So if someone were to come to me now and say, hey, I've got this like a travel company or whatever, and I want to grow it, and we're hitting some roadblocks and whatever. Well, I have a ton of knowledge from having already grown these two businesses to the extent that I have that I can bring back into my my other work. Since 2015, since I started my polar expedition company, I think I've been in a unique scenario or a unique position where I'm one of the few online business coaches, and I say that in air quotes, but online business coaches that actually also runs in real life businesses with like high stakes hundreds of thousands of dollars passing through our accounts to charter vessels to like hire guides with you know who carry weapons who carry guns and doing gun permitting like we have you know we go to places where shit gets real right and we're dealing with real things and real people and physical objects and real money not that money on the internet isn't real but it's just a different it's a different beast right there's so much there's a lot of cross-pollination between the two and there's a lot of one informing the other and I think that works perfectly for me because I'm the kind of person that likes to do 500 different types of things and I like for it never to be boring and I think that's why I end up working too much because I'm always like yeah that sounds cool yeah let's do that yeah la 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 you know I'm not great at saying no <laughs> if it sounds <laughs> like fun or interesting you know so <laughs> that's besides the point <laughs> No no I think it's like I mean I was a conversation I was having recently was just this this idea that like for me, you know, somebody was asking me how I wanted to grow my business. And I'm like, I don't want it to be, I don't want to add more people to it. I don't want to become like this bigger, bigger, bigger business. I was like, I mean, I think this is testament to just a lot of the conversations you and I have had too. Like I've realized I wanted to like deepen in and like be able to explore the questions I want to explore and to kind of build the things I want to build. Like we're both curious people, I think like where it's just like, you want to be able to follow that curiosity and to have a and and if that means like having a gazillion things going on like that's one one expression of it and i don't i think that's fantastic and i think that there's a lot of people out there who want to stick to a single model of something and just kind of like grind at it and mm-hmm. you know and, until it's successful and and then there are other people who like the rebellious souls like you know you and i who like to like figure out and like to whatever catches our fancy to be able to follow that through like yeah and that's that is unique i don't think that a lot of people or, or you, it takes a certain kind of person to be able to like kind of recognize that that's what they want to do in their work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, every now and again, people will say to me like, oh, where do you see the company in like five or 10 years from now? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to be running these companies. I might have sold them and be doing something else. I mean, I'm not it's not that I don't think long term or that I don't plan for growth. Mm-hmm. Of course I do. But yeah, I never default to the assumption that this is what I will do, you know? Yeah like this is what I'm doing now and I'm loving it and I'm giving it 100% of myself maybe a little bit more than that even though I know that's not possible but you know I'll do it as long as I find it interesting uh, as long as I find it, it provides me opportunities for growth and it's 
as long as I like it, I'm going to do it. When I find myself not liking it anymore and when it's a drag, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to find something else to do, you know? And that's where the kind of rebellious soul part comes in. Like I am through and through an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. That's what I want. And in fact, I'll tell you like a little side story. So we had a, a situation recently where another company wanted to buy shares in my company, but then that would make me by default an employee. And they would pay me a salary because of the structure of how they wanted it. And I was like, I'm not interested. Even if it, that would have been actually easier and more lucrative for me or whatever. I was like, I'm not interested. And they were like, why? Like, do you just need like, <laughs> do we need to double your salary? Like, why can't we buy shares in your company? And I'm like, because the salary is not what motivates me. Ownership motivates me. If you take away my ownership or full ownership of my own company, I'm not going to give a shit. Then it's just like a job. Why would I wake up every morning and try to do the best that I can under stressful circumstances? You know, mm -hmm. like we're in a growth phase right now. It's stressful. You need someone at the helm that is very motivated to make this work. So either you leave my ownership in my hands and I will stay motivated or I let you buy shares and we'll see what happens, but it's probably not going to be good, you know? And so that, that scene in and of itself was really interesting for me because when they first came to me about the buying of the shares... I felt like I had been punched in the gut and I couldn't figure mm. out why. Because, you know, like the, your body knows before your brain does, right? Yep. And I just felt, they, they thought that this was an amazing like offer they were giving us. And I was just like, I want to throw myself off a bridge. Mm. I need to go and sit in the forest and think about why this feels so shitty to me. And then that's when I came to this realization. You take my ownership away, I'm out. I am yeah. out. So I know that about myself. I know that entrepreneurship matters, innovation matters, ownership of my own work matters, ownership of my own company matters. And again, it's not about like that I'm going to be whatever these dudes are that are just trying to amass wealth. It's not that. It's right. the it's the ownership over your own days and weeks and hours. If I'm putting in this time, if I'm sitting in front of the computer, if I'm getting on the phone with all these different vendors and trying to sort out problems and stuff, I don't want to be doing it for someone else. I did that already and I fucking hated it. I don't know how or why, like how to explain it, but that's just the way my brain works. I do not function well when I'm doing something for someone else. I just don't, I hate it. I don't see the point. So I will never do that. I will never be an employee again. And for anyone listening who is in that position or who has been in that position and is like maybe even stressed about money and thinking about going back to work for someone else, there's no shame in that. Of course, you know, if I really fell on hard times, then of course I'd break my own rule. But I really want people to understand that it's totally okay if you're the kind of person who's like, fuck this. I don't want to work for other people. I don't yeah. want to spend my days pushing paper around or filling out Excel spreadsheets that nobody's ever going to read. That's normal. You know, just because <laughs> everyone else does it and that you think they're normal. No, no, no. The way you feel is normal and that's mm -hmm. okay. And so then, then your next step is to try to figure out how to create a livelihood or a work life that allows you to not do that shit. And it might be a very long circuitous journey and it might never be, it might never end. You might always be doing this and that and the other thing and never like come to like a full resolution of what, what is that thing that's going to allow you to just be happy? Who knows? But at least you'll be exploring, at least you'll be going down different rabbit holes and trying different things and you won't be doing that thing for other people that you fucking hate, right? Because again, we only have so many days, weeks, months in our lives. Don't waste them. It took me a long time for me to really feel like comfortable doing that. I would say like in my, I'm like so grateful that you just said all of that. <laughs> as, as, and, no, as like passionately as you said it though, because it's just like, it's so, it's so true and real. And I think that 
the like work part of it can be really scary too because mm-hmm. like you said it can be a real circuitous journey and like I totally had a circuitous journey I went you know from you know it's it's taken me a long time I started a food systems consulting business and then was like nah that's not it you know but I worked part time mm-hmm. I like at that time was supporting my ex you know now ex-husband's business and I was supporting my I was going to grad school I was like doing all these things because I was like not ready to like sit down and buckle down to do some of the hard work of like of actually like letting myself step fully into it. So it took like five years of being an entrepreneur before I was like, and a divorce before I was like, well, nope, this is, I'm doing this differently. And I'm, and I'm doing it on my own terms for real. And that's when I started to see all of the success, you know, come Mm -hmm. from it, but it took a long time and it took a lot of investment in myself, you know, not just monetary investment, but my own kind of just emotional, like mental, you know, investment to try to like, to get to that stage where I was ready to do it. But like grabbing those experiences and like really fully stepping into them that shit's hard, (laughs) but it's good, but it's a good kind of hard. It's the good kind of hard that you and I would never trade anything else for. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hardest when it's in the beginning and when it's unfamiliar and when it's so different from everybody, from what everybody around you is doing, that's when it's the hardest. And like everything, like a muscle that you exercise, the more you do it, the more you step into the unknown and into the hard, the less scary and the less difficult it becomes until you get to a point where you're like, yeah, I'll do the uncertain, hard, seemingly risky thing because I've already done it 500 yeah. times and I'm not dead and I'm not living yep. in a box. Yep. <laughs> you know, like I'm okay. You learn to trust yourself, right? Yep. Like you learn to understand that you will always find your way through and that you're a resourceful, resilient human being. You know, and most people who don't fit into the like nine to five structure are pretty resourceful and pretty resilient. You know, a lot of neurodivergent people like, big time, right? We don't work well in traditional structures, but you're resourceful in your own way. You're probably very resilient because you're a neurodivergent person who's had to live in a neuronormative world. It's, uh, to me, it's an exciting version of the universe to live in. (laughs) Yeah. I would have no, like, I wouldn't have it any other way. How, how do you center justice in your work? The most tangible way, I suppose, would be in that I operate my businesses and I very purposely partner with people whose business approach is similar to mine in that we put our values first and we put humans first. So we operate in a very human centric way, meaning we are very cognizant at every level of business development about equality, about diversity, about uh, absolutely proper compensation, you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe proper isn't the right word, like good, like good quality compensation. I don't ever yeah. want anybody to work for me who feels that they're working for like a standard rate because mm-hmm. I hire people who are amazing and I want everyone to feel compensated well. I want them yeah. to feel seen. I want them to feel heard. I want them to feel that they live in a non-judgmental workspace where they will always be supported no matter what it is that they're doing. Mm-hmm. I've always been super flexible with everybody who works for me around other commitments that they have as well, even if they've disappointed me, even if they've committed to something and then being like, oh, guess what? I can't do that thing anymore to, to a degree, of course, right? Yeah. I, I'm always like, it's cool. Your life and your things in your life are more important than a work function that you do for our company. So yeah. no worries, you know? And I think that while I know that on many occasions over the last 12, 13 years, people who have worked for me and come to me and been like, oh, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, yeah, what? And then they tell me and I'm like, it's cool. And they're like, what? (laughs) 
what do you mean it's cool? And so, but you know, this isn't justice so much as it is around um, doing what's right for the humans that you deal with before profits, before growth, before everything else, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I could run a company any other way. There's always an alternate solution. I don't want anyone to feel discriminated against ever. I don't want them to feel like they have to sacrifice in any way unnecessarily for a fucking job, especially if they're like Mm -hmm. an independent contractor. I don't anyone I don't want anyone to feel guilty. I want feel I want people to always feel supported in their own endeavors that are justice centered. You know, and because I come to my work and my business with my values on my sleeve, I think that everybody knows that, that this is a safe space to be and it's a safe space to have conversations. It's a safe space for them to pursue (laughs) things adjacently that are centering justice, work that's centering justice. Uh, they'll, They'll always get support by being by working for me or being affiliated with any company that I run. And I feel like that's maybe one of the best things that I can do in the position that I'm in, but I'm also mm. willing to to learn how to do better at any stage. It's just so great to hear you say that because it's just it's your te- you know, I talk a lot about with organizations tending to the internal kind of aspects because people are always like they want to tend to the external. They want to like whatever is visible. But like tending to like your people, tending to like the internal aspects of an, of how your business runs is like is where the real work is. Like, it's not just the marketing, greenwashing, whatever, wokewashing bullshit. Like, so I'm just so glad you shared that. And it feels like, and that is like justice to me too, is treating people like human beings and not just like, you know, cogs, you know, but it's like, that feels like a novel thing in our, you know, in this day and age in some ways. Yeah, it it is strange, but we are very brainwashed to feel that we're cogs in the wheel. And it is very strange to me also that people would come to me and say, uh, I'm a little bit worried about coming clean with you about this, but this thing happened or I have to do this or I have to mm-hmm. drop out of that project with you. Like, are you mad? And I'm like, I'm not your mom. <laughs> right. I'm, you know, no, you're not, I'm not. And this is not a scenario that you're working in and where there's like an overlord that has right. like this keep, keeping your financial, you know, holding the financial strings. Like it's cool. And yes, you'll still be like paid for X, Y, Z, whatever. Like I don't, there's no mm-hmm. cheapness. There's no withholding. I want everyone to know who works with us, that they will be treated as whole fucking human beings, you know? Yeah. And you're right. It's not about greenwashing. It's not about any, because none of this is, ext- none of this is seen. Right. None of it is visible to the outside right. world. But I can tell you, Aaron, and this is t- something that I will go to my grave with pride about, is that people who work for and with me will go to other people and say, hey, we've got this position or we need some help and like with this or that company come like it would be great if you wanted to work with us heather or polar tracks or polar pioneer management they're fucking amazing to work for because xyz because they're Mm -hmm. always flexible because they treat us like fucking human beings first and they compensate us well for good work and they acknowledge good work and they give you opportunities to lift i mean i'm constantly saying to my folks that i work with if you have a really good idea bring it to me and then if you want to spearhead that idea and run with it knock yourself out like i will whatever you need i will empower you you're going to block more hours. Cool. Do it. Because I would love for you to feel a sense of ownership over that section of the business. You know, Mm -hmm. why would I say no to that? And then they become motivated to like develop this idea that they have, you know, and I recognize we're very small. We're not a big company, so we can afford to be flexible in that respect. But I think about how I would want to be the opportunities that I would want to be afforded and the kind of compensation that I would want to have if I was in their position and the flexibility I would want. And I treat people literally how I would want to be treated because why the fuck would I do it any other way? It works better. In my limited experience, it works better. And so far, 
I think I can attribute so much of my company's growth to that internal culture. And it's not visible on the outside. But it shows up in the impact. So, I mean, I think that that you're someone I know who pays attention to details in so many ways, too. You know, it's not it's just there is so much attention that you put on, I think, every single aspect of the business, including like the people as we're just talking about now, or whether that's just like finding the perfect pen, you know, on the charter boat, you know, or whatever to put in people's rooms. Like it's you were one of the few people I think I know who can like think so, so big and also pay such such attention to the small things that you know also counts as well. And that's that is like one of the things I admire the most about you and just in the way that you you run your businesses and 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 walk through the world, honestly. Thank you, Aaron. That's really, really <laughs> kind. <laughs> I just like I just feel so honored and grateful to have you here. Like I just yeah. really do. I really do. Like because <laughs> well it's I know you're so busy and I just have like it just it makes me feel it makes me feel special that you'd come on and like share all of this. And one thing I'll say, just I'll give you one more question, you know, mm-hmm. before we start to wrap up, but just it just makes me happy. It makes me smile. People can hear that, I think, in in my voice, probably the smiles. And that's like also in and of itself really fun. But what does it mean for you to give a damn? Because you are somebody who I think of who gives a damn like on so many levels. And so but what is it? What, what does it actually mean to you? To give a damn. I mean, I just think that our our culture in general is very we center ourselves so much and there's so little meaning in that there's so little meaning in centering yourself and many years ago when i was going through some kind of existential crisis <laughs> i was like i was probably in my 20s i was thinking like what does what does it mean like what is the point of life you know, and I remember I read somewhere, someone told me, they're like, it's not, there's no point to life. You give meaning to life. Mm. You, there's not an inherent meaning in it. You give meaning to your life, to your existence. And I was like, fuck, that's good. And so then, <laughs> since then, I thought, you know, giving a damn to me is, is like seva, right? Selfless service. You put stuff out into the world. You make an effort creativity-wise, like work-wise, friendship-wise. You give outwardly to make the world a better place, to give a damn about others, because what we do impacts other people. And that inherently delivers so much back, right? Like selfless service Mm -hmm. is, to me, one of the most beautiful things that you can do, just because you get so much out of it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know if I'm making sense, but by giving a damn, you, you fill your own cup so much and so in a way it ends up being kind of individualistic and self-centered but it's not like lining your pockets with money per se it's like lining your heart with good feelings you know what I mean (laughs) I love that (laughs) That I I really like feeling good (laughs) oh my lord I'm gonna I think that that is like now my most favorite quote is just like that giving a damn is lining your heart with good feelings. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, that's the most beautiful thing. Um, it's well to get there, but I'm glad that I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this is like, I think it's, you know, people get to hear these, these, this podcast. And I think there's, I hope that they feel and like love the journey we go through in the, through the conversation, you know, and the sometimes we like Steph will leave in some of the little stumbles and things like that too. Cause it's like, I don't know. Like, shit's got to be real. Like, I don't want to put something out there that's so polished that you can't, like, 
you know, that people just think we're all stuck up and, <laughs> un- and unapproachable. Um, I don't think that would ever come through in anything I did. But, <laughs> but no. Yeah. Any, is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap up? I don't think so. I just hope that if there are folks out there that are listening to this, that feel that what they're doing in the world, whether it's work or otherwise, is in misalignment with themselves. And I mean, we don't sit there at night and go, oh, everything's really in misalignment with me. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, just you have that feeling that there's a part of you that is not being realized or that your energy is being drained in certain ways and you feel like, oh, but I'm stuck here. I can't get out of this. Like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't do this. So I have to just sit here in this space, feeling misaligned, feeling like I have unrealized potential in myself or unrealized creativity or whatever. You'll never, you're never really, really, really stuck. There is always a way out. You know, there is always, always, always a way out. It just looks fucking terrifying. And it looks like something that you don't know. It looks like a black hole of like, if not this, then bleh, you know, but there is something else. And I know this because I've reinvented myself so many times. I've changed my life and my business and my country and my, you know, <laughs> long-term life partners and everything, mm-hmm. you know, and just thrown myself into the abyss of the unknown. And it it's always fucking better. It's always <laughs> better. Okay. On the other side, I promise you, because if there's that part of you that's like unrealized or unlived, listen to that call, listen to that tiny voice, you know, don't just keep pushing it down under glasses of wine or like coconut chocolate clusters like I do, you know, <laughs> get, like really give it some time, go stand in the forest and think, pay attention to that. That's what I want to leave people with. Mm. Yeah. If people could just pay more attention to like those callings, I think we'd all be just yeah. happier, more full, more fully self-realized people. <laughs> yeah. And that's what the world needs. I mean, if you really think about like, if folks can kind of like do that kind of work for themselves, that kind of like tapping into that, mm-hmm. like that changes the world. It's like the yeah. internal, like I was saying, like the internal piece aspects, like cause the ripple effects in the bigger picture. I'm butchering, of course, like uh, Grace Lee Boggs's quote like transform yourself to transform the world like that's that's always that is a guiding quote for this podcast and from (laughs) all of my work too so uh heather thank you so much this is like my favorite thing ever i'm just so happy that we had this opportunity and you're just the best (laughs) oh thank you Erin. i had so much fun and thank you for listening to me go on my long rambles (laughs) it's there is gold in the rambles i think like i think that people i think i think that people like to see that journey (laughs) <laughs> yeah um, I hope so I hope so but it's it's been wonderful I really I always love talking with you and this was really fun so thanks for having me on the show thank you to Heather Thorkelson for joining me in conversation today if you want to learn more about her work feel free to connect with her on LinkedIn or check out polartracksexpeditions.com her book is called No Plan B a handbook for incurable entrepreneurs and other rebellious souls check the show notes for links If you enjoyed this conversation, please leave a five-star rating and review to help us reach more people. Make sure to follow Rise and Rouse wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss your chance to hear from someone who gives a damn. Follow us on Instagram at Rise and Rouse and sign up for my newsletter by going to allgoodstrategies.com. Rise and Rouse is created and hosted by me, Erin Allgood. It is produced and edited by Steph George of Stefania Audio. Production support from Grace Cleary-Morin and Yana Krizanova. Our theme music is written and produced by Chris Marion. 